Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Coach Party is a British four-piece indie rock band formed in the Isle of Wight, England in 2019. The band is composed of lead singer and bassist Jess Eastwood, guitarist Joe Perry and Steph Norris, and drummer Guy Page. The band has released three EPs, namely Party Food in 2020, After Party in 2021, Nothing Is Real in 2022, and a full-length album called Killjoy in 2023. Please note when I interviewed Guy from Coach Party for the podcast, the band were on tour, and Guy was in a hotel breakfast area. So the background noises you hear are the patrons enjoying their breakfast and food. Up next on Celeb Swant, we've got Guy Page from Coach Party. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing? And what's happening in your life? Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm currently in, just outside of Edinburgh, between Edinburgh and Glasgow in Scotland, uh, just grabbing some breakfast before we head to the show in Glasgow tonight. Where does the name Coach Party come from? Okay, well, we, uh, before we released our first EP, we were called something else and um, we were basically like ready to launch as a, as a new band and we wanted to put like our past in, in the past and like mm. start something fresh. And uh, it, it was a horrible like three month process to try and get a new name. And uh, Steph at some point just like blurted out, what about Coach Party? And retrospectively we kind of thought well actually it's quite funny because we come from a part of the world uh the art of white in the uk which still has like classic coach parties where like lots of people go and go uh, and um like, go and look at the, the apple farm and things like that okay. on, on coaches and we thought it just like sounded nice because it's quite nice to say coach party but also just um yeah it, it kind of speaks for where we're from okay so now let's rewind First of all, to you and your personal journey in the music industry. So at what age do you, do you decide, cool, I want to be an entertainer, a musician. And how, how did that progress to you meeting the guys from the band and then moving forward in that journey? Nine years old, there was a, uh, a, a lad, well, a family moved across the, uh, into a house across the road from, from my childhood house. And at the time, there was like no other kids who lived in the area. So we saw them like moving all their stuff in, and I saw this like young like lad, same age as me. And I was like, ah, oh, this is someone I could be friends with. Like finally, that lives lives near me. And then he ended up going to the same school as me, and I saw him with a guitar on his back. He obviously had guitar lessons. So I just thought, like, well, I'll go and have guitar lessons then, and then I'll be friends with this with this boy. And um, I like took to it naturally, I guess. I, I found it quite easy to start with, and um, really enjoyed it. And since then, I've just just loved playing music. I've been even since before that, I just like loved listening to music. My parents had a really good record collection, so I'd spend a lot of time just like playing the same records over and over and over again and like really getting to know the lyrics and I guess at the time I didn't really know I was realised I was like absorbing the music and kind of creating my own taste for later in life but that's kind of a lot of that came from there 
fast forwarding quite a lot. Really, that just comes down to that we're all from the Isle of Wight, and if you're into music, you're gonna meet each other, like like we did, but all in different ways. Um, Steph was like, working in one of the like few music venues on the island, so she, he was like the bar manager and um, booked bands and stuff for a small place called Black Sheep. So like my old bands would have played there a couple of times. I'd have met Steph through that. Joe's band recorded a demo in my like, old studio. So I met him through that and would go to gigs all the time. So it's just like, it was a matter of time before we all met each other. And we were friends for like, years before we realized we wanted to be in a band together. That started with Steph and Jess for fun, just like writing songs together. They'd never really been in a band before had had time and just like the energy to think oh that'll be fun we'll write some songs uh me and joe heard them and like loved it and i like, basically asked like can we be in your band and um that's that's how that happened i guess that was around maybe 14 or 15 they all just very gradual like very slow but we've always put like always like given a lot of time to the band and to making music um, but just taking things like really slowly is like so satisfying to every time we get like a new landmark, it feels like like a job well done. It's, yes. you know, it's such a long time coming. Yeah, it's really nice. But I hope you guys, when that happens, you all say not only congratulate each other, but also pat each other on the back. Because oftentimes people are so busy on achieving the goals that when they achieve the little ones, they don't say, okay, cool, well done. They just sort of, okay, now it's the next one, now it's the next one. And it's very important to recognize ourselves on our achievements. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, we, do, we do go through periods of time where we forget, not forget, but that we don't acknowledge that the things that are happening are huge achievements. And, but, but we do quite regularly, like one of us will just stop in the dressing room or wherever we are and just say to everyone else, like, oh, have you guys like taking in like what we're actually doing today we on the week of our release for the album a couple of weeks ago we had like and did a small in-store run of shows so like playing in record shops doing stripped back versions of some songs from the album and it's like so many people coming out to see that and like queuing up to get the records signed and all these crazy things that like we do as fans for our favorite bands yeah and um, yeah, we just stopped and we're like, oh my God, we're doing the thing that we've done our whole lives and like queued up to meet people. And that was like a new, brand new thing for us. And yeah, we did like many times in that week, just stop and go, this is crazy. Done everyone, like how, how have we done that? And yeah, it's, it's the things like that when you've done it yourself as a fan. You mentioned about Steph and Jess writing the song. So what is the band's creative process? Is it still them writing the songs or are all of you writing the songs together from zero to a three to four minute song? Is it a collaborative process? How does it work? Is it easy every time? Every, every song, especially now, is very collaborative. We all, we all bring quite a lot to every song and that's the, that's the case whether it starts in the rehearsal room from nothing. like That can happen quite a lot, that someone will just play something by mistake or be playing something that's been in their head and then we'll go, oh, let's just like, work on that. And um, sometimes that can develop into a, a song within 10, 15 minutes. Uh, but then other times it can take months of like chipping away. Other times, like any one of the four of us can bring in like an entire song that we've 
we've written. But even then, it goes through quite a rigorous process of us like finding out how it becomes like a coach party song. Those those ones, when one person writes a song, it's usually quite a specific flavour that is like towards an extreme end of what we do. So, for example, like like be that girl's a song from Joe. It's like really on the extreme end of like delicacy for us. Um, like Parasite is, is one of mine, which is on like the extreme end of, uh, I guess, like raw and like high energy. Always Been You is, is one that just brought in and, and it's like more of, what's the word, like a narrative. And by all four of us coming together into the rehearsal room, into the studio and doing, bringing our own thing to it, that's what kind of brings it closer to like the middle of what the band is. So I think without any one of the four of us, it doesn't feel doesn't feel right. Okay. You know, there's quite there's been a lot of times where like one of us isn't in the studio that day, and then when we turn up, say like Steph might turn up towards the end of the day and just come in with one idea that suddenly finishes it off, and you're like, ah, oh, now it feels right. Yeah, until all four of us have had a chance to do our thing, it, it's not right. So you mentioned a coach party sound. So for the people who are unaware of that, what is a coach party sound? In terms of our records, um, I put it down to, like, it's, it's all quite real. The sounds themselves are quite organic. But, like, even the, the sounds which come from, like, electronic sources, like synthesizers or mm. whatever, we, we try and, like, keep them realistic in, in a physical sense that, they, you know, they go through, like, a guitar amp or there, there's something about it that's, like, in the room. You know, it's quite okay. rare that we just like program a thing and then press play or anything. It's everything has to be like a physical sound that can actually hit you in the face. Because of that, like there's more imperfections than there is in other styles of writing and producing and all the rest of it. Okay. But I think that's something that means that sonically, anything that goes into the record has our personality mm-hmm. because it's part of our equipment, just our our taste. You know, we we want to hear it a certain way in the room before we press record. So, yeah, I think that just, like, embracing, like, imperfections. Like, as time's gone on, we do like things to be able to be, like, heavy when they want to be heavy and, like, super delicate when they want to be delicate. So it's trying to make the most of extremes and being organic with it. Okay. Interesting you say imperfections because imperfections allow it to be unique because it's, it yeah. gives it something that's different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in this day and age, it's so easy to be perfect. And that's what's changed, I think, in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, is that you feel like when you listen to, to a lot of like 70s and 80s productions, you can hear that they're like aiming for perfection. Mm. And because it wasn't possible, it had, still has like a very like, relatable organic feel to it because it's it's the challenge of trying to make it perfect even though it never it can't really be like i guess with people like phil collins and that where they're trying to get like huge sounds and Mm. try and make it sound like a machine when it isn't whereas now to achieve what they were trying to achieve is so easy that it's terrible and just boring and yes yeah no no personality and don't get me wrong some people i'm sure it's not, maybe not the kind of thing that I listen to enough to have a valid opinion on, but I'm sure there's people doing it who can also do it with personality. Like, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But 
I'm sure you know that's like maybe not as common as as you as you'd like. I produce the the band's music, and one of my rules I have for myself and I'm decision making is is purely like, do I believe in that sound or that lyric or that melody? So I don't think like, oh, is that correct or is that broken or is that working properly? Is if I if I listen to it and I believe that it, the artist meant it or that it um, speaks for the meaning of the song and it doesn't leave you like being embarrassed by it, then it's done. Whether it's like buzzing or distorting too much or whatever, if it mm. means what it's supposed to mean, then it's fine. You move on. And you mentioned the 70s and 80s. We had vinyls, we had cassettes, we had CDs. I'm grateful that the physical is making a comeback. I'm not sure if you're aware last year alone in the UK, there were 5.5 million vinyl sales, the biggest since 1990. CDs are making a comeback. We've also got these digital platforms that people listen to or consume music on. What is your preference and what do you feel around both? Uh, my personal preference is, I'm going to say a CD. Yes, yes, me too. <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it just seems to me like it's the middle ground between everything. Yeah, You know, you can have the physical thing, but you can also very quickly put it away, stuff mm. it in the like door of your car. It's easy, but not too easy. It's not as yeah. easy as just like pressing play on on Spotify and mm. taking what it gives you. But it's also not as daunting as playing a record and being mm. like, oh, be careful now, don't scratch it. And I, li I love listening to records. And that's what, if I have a very relaxed day and I'm just at home and I have time to just really absorb music, I'll put a record on and sit and sit and listen. But, mm. um, but I spend most of my time listening to music in, in the van. You know, when we're out and about and um it, i just love reaching for a cd flicking yeah. through and being like yep yeah, uh smashing pumpkins yeah. there you go and having that like rotation where every few months i sort of take a few out of the van put them at home mm. and then t take another stack from home put that in yes. the van and it's a good way of like obsessing over music because that's something i've always done is that i don't I only ever listen to like two or three things at a time, but just like over and over and over and over and over again. Mm. Like at the moment, that's, I guess, like Weezer. Uh, if I chose one more, it'd be We Are Scientists. And and yeah, like it's quite, it takes a long time for one of those to come out of rotation and something else takes its place. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm giggling yeah. because I'm like the same. I love the experience of the CD, putting in the car, driving to it, listening to it, listening to it absorbing it. And just it's an experience, whereas I find with the yeah. digital, it's there, it's convenient, but it doesn't give you that journey and experience that getting the physical does, you know? Yeah, for sure. And even just that, you know, you know when an album's ended, because yes. even if it repeats itself, you see it go back to one and yes. you go, ah, oh, that's the end, I'll change it now or, yes, or I'll yes, listen yes. to it again. Absolutely. But sometimes, you know, if you're listening, especially listening to something like a new album or something from an artist that you don't really know, you get to the end of the album and it just plays something else and you haven't even realised until the vocal comes in you go, oh, the album's finished and you yes. didn't really appreciate yeah, yeah. what just happened because mm. it just keeps playing stuff and yeah, it's, um, <laughs> that is a shame. So I know if I had to ask you this question in two days, two months, two hours, I know your answer will be different every single time. If you had to push play to five songs by other artists once we finish this conversation, what would be those five songs and by whom? Right now, if I was to make a playlist of five songs, yes, basically. Exactly. Okay, 
Jamie by Weezer, which I think is one of the like Blue Album demos or ones that didn't make the Blue Album. Really nice song. Sentimental Education by We Are Scientists, which is on their second to last album. Um, not only do I really love the song, but it uh, reminds me of like what was my favorite tour ever, which was when we supported them. Okay. Um, they were touring that album, and the live version of that song is so good. What should we go for next? I love uh, Bomb Track by Breaking Against the Machine, just okay. because that's like a childhood one and one that just like even now just makes me just like just just like gives energy. That whole album does just makes me want to like do stuff, I don't know, change the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's three. Okay, let's have Always Like This, One by Bicycle Club. It's one that, as a band, we're like, we really like One by Bicycle Club. And it's one of those songs that we can put on in the van and everyone will like it. So that, that's, that's, that's like my selfless moment. So everyone okay. can enjoy this. And then I'd finish with Fourth Wanderers, Not For Me. It's not for me, not for you. Either way, it's a yeah. great song. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I like that list. Need to add some of them to mine. Mm. Guys, so the podcast is listened to, to throughout the world. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Oh, well, to anyone who's listened to this, I mean, just like, thanks for listening to our chat and um, hope it's, you know, I hope it's in some way interesting. Uh, if you know who Coach Party are and you've listened to our stuff, like, thank you so much. Uh, we're quite amazed at how people around the world are like getting to know us and, um, it's really nice to meet everyone when we're traveling out and about. So if you, if we do see you at a gig or service station or anything, please say hello. 